dismissing children. Yes, so children, yeah, youngsters, if you want to go, go. All right. Great, great message in that song. Very, uh, very encouraging uh, in regards to the fact that, that He pursues us to share His love with us. He comes after us uh, to give His heart to us. And he has sacrificed for us greatly. And uh, such an encouragement. We are uh, in a time in our lives and in our nation where there seems to be a lot of discouragement. Seems to be a, a lot of people who are uh, choosing sides and, uh, and teaming up against one another. Uh, a lot of discouragement in regards to illness. Uh, a lot of discouragement in regards to the way that things are going in our lives and, and in our country uh, and, and in our world. And in the midst of that, uh, I want to encourage us today that we be encouragers. That we not be discouragers, but we be encouragers in life. Ten days after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, residents of North Platte, Nebraska heard a rumor that soldiers from their town, part of the Nebraska National Guard Company D, would be coming through on a troop train on their way to the West Coast. And about 500 people showed up at the train depot with food, letters, and love to give to the troops to encourage them. Except for when the train showed up, they were not the men from Nebraska. In fact, they were soldiers from Kansas, National Guard Company D. Somehow there was some confusion. But those 500 people decided to show their kindness to those soldiers and encourage them anyway, even though they weren't the Nebraska soldiers. They were complete strangers. And somehow it was this moving, encouraging to all of those who were there that day. A few days later, a 26-year-old young lady by the name of Ray Wilson wrote a letter to the local paper. And she was sharing the profound experience of that day, suggesting that they should do this for every troop train that would come through their town from that day forward. And she was volunteering, willing to lead that effort. And in the process of that, she became the leader, and they developed what they called a canteen, if you would. And every troop train during World War II for the next four and a half years that came through that little town in Nebraska were met with people, volunteers, who had brought out sandwiches and cookies and coffee and tea and letters and books and magazines all that they could do to encourage those soldiers as they were on their way to defend and protect our nation. Over that four and a half years, there were over six million soldiers who came through that train depot. There were over 45,000 volunteers who served sandwiches and coffee and tea and cookies and letters, and they served encouragement to those soldiers for four and a half years consistently 
encouraging those who would serve. What a source of encouragement. People they didn't know, complete strangers, yet they wanted to do something to encourage them, to say to them, thank you for your service and what you're doing to defend and protect our nation. And you think about that source of encouragement. And we wonder, what can we do to be more encouraging to those around us? How can we become greater encouragers in our life? Well, there's a lesson that I want us to learn today from an individual in the New Testament book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you'll turn there with me this morning. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter 4, which is where we first meet this individual. In Acts chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 34. God's Word reads as follows. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or of houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would distribute to each as any had need. And Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. And who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, this is our first introduction to a man by the name of Barnabas. We know that these are the early days of the church. We know that the people were coming together. The scripture says that they were meeting on a regular basis, that they were encouraging one another that they were studying God's Word. The Scripture says that they were sharing communion with one another, as we did this morning. All of these elements were the beginning characteristics of the church, the body of Christ. And as they came together and were meeting with one another, they discovered that there were some among them who had needs. And the Scripture says that they did everything that they could to meet those needs. In fact, people were willing to make sacrifices themselves, and they were selling their land and their homes and their property. They were bringing the proceeds and giving them to to the apostles, to the church leaders, so that they might distribute them among those that were with them, that no one would be in need. And we find and see here Barnabas. And Barnabas is known because it says that that his, his name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because he was an encourager. Son of encouragement is what his name means. And so he took a piece of land, he sold it, he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And that's the first thing that I want to see about encouragement today is that he was willing to give sacrificially to help meet the needs of others. Willing to give sacrificially to help meet the needs of others. Now, I wonder this morning, when's the last time that we did something in our life to meet a need of someone else, to help someone else, that was a sacrifice? That we gave sacrificially. That we surrendered something that meant something to us, that was significant to us, uh, that, that could help us in our life in some way, and yet we gave it to help someone else. Giving sacrificially. 
I think that's so important for us to understand. It's not just giving out of our abundance. It's not just, it's great to give out of our plenty or our surplus or, or all that we've been blessed with. It's wonderful to give out of those things, but we're talking about giving sacrificially. We're talking about surrendering something of value to us, whatever that might be, in order to meet the need of someone else. And that is a true source of encouragement. Again, we can give out of all that we've been blessed with. We can go in the Scriptures and find many times that God's Word talks about this. And, and often our, our minds immediately will go to the idea of the woman with the two mites. And that there were these wealthy people and they were giving and they were giving these great, great amounts of money and, and all of these things. But she came and, and literally just had two pennies. And, and the two pennies is all that she gave. And it seems such a small gift compared to the others. But her gift was a, a gift of sacrifice. And the scripture says that she gave more than all the others. Not because of the amount, but because of the sacrifice that was made. If we want to be a real encouragement, we should be willing to give sacrificially to help others if we desire to be an encouragement to give all that we can in order to make sure that others' needs are met. Kind of like the people in North Platte, Nebraska. 45,000 volunteers serving 6 million strangers over four and a half years sacrificially giving to be an encouragement to those who were sacrificing and giving their lives to defend and protect our nation. The next time we see Barnabas is in Acts chapter 9. So I hope you're there, still there in Acts chapter 4. And we'll turn over just a page or two maybe in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We'll learn another lesson from this great encourager. In Acts chapter 9, we want to begin reading together in verse 21. Listen to what it says. And all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who, uh, who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? But Saul kept increasing in strength, and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through the opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Okay? So let's set the stage. Here's what happens. We know the story. Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was going to persecute believers. He was going to imprison them, to take them bound before the priests, that they were opposing the Jewish way of life. And he was persecuting the church and believers and all of those who were associated with what they referred to in that day as the way or the Christian faith. And so on the road to Damascus, we know the story. There was a blinding light. Saul was converted to become a follower of Christ. He receives the name Paul as a new believer in the kingdom of God. 
And so he gets up and he goes and he begins to share the message. As he's sharing the message and talking to people about Christ, those who are part of the church say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. This is the guy who's been, who's been binding people and taking the book. This is the guy who's been persecuting the church. This is the guy who has spoken out boldly against Christ. Do you remember who this guy is? He's the guy that held the cloaks of the people who stoned to death Stephen for preaching Christ. I don't trust him. Not a little bit. I think he's just trying to find out who the Christians are so that he can infiltrate and get deeper in and find out who the leaders are so that he can capture them. And the Scripture says that they were afraid of him. They were so afraid of him, they wanted to put him to death because that they couldn't stand the idea of what he might do to them. And so he flees from the city, he goes to Jerusalem, and then notice, pick up with me in verse 27. These people don't want anything to do with him. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and continued to increase. So here's what happens. Enter a guy named Barnabas, the great encourager. And he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, I know that you guys are afraid of him, and I know his past and his history, but he's a changed man. He's different than he was before. And he brings him, physically brings him and says, I want you to listen to his story. I want you to hear what's been happening in his life. So the second lesson I want us to learn today is if we want to be great encouragers to others is, is that he was courageous enough to care when others wouldn't. He was courageous enough to care when others wouldn't. Think about the risk that he took. Was Saul, who later became Paul, really pretending to be a Christian in order to infiltrate and find out who the believers were? Were, were the apostles and the other Christians right in being afraid of him and holding him at a, at a distance? And guess what Barnabas said? I, I, I don't care. I believe that he is speaking for the kingdom of God. I believe that he has a message that needs to be heard. And so he went and took the risk. He had the courage to say, it doesn't matter to me. I believe he's right. And he took him to the apostles and said, listen to his story. Now listen, a lot of things happened in that moment. First, he put himself at risk that Saul, who later became Paul, might bind him and imprison him and persecute him for his belief. He took a risk that the other believers, if they, he brought Saul, who became Paul, into their presence in order for him to tell the story, that they might ostracize and cut him off as a part of the family of God or a believer because he had endangered them. And so he had a great courage to care about the situation, to try to rectify things that were going on when others would not. Sometimes we need to be willing 
to be courageous and to stand up and to do what we believe and what we feel is right in our heart and according to the truths of God's Word, no matter what anybody else says. No matter what anybody else is feeling, no matter what anybody else is thinking, if we are convinced and we believe that it's right according to the truths of God's Word, sometimes we have to have the courage to stand up and to care even when others will not. Third time we see Paul, uh, Barnabas, excuse me, Barnabas is in chapter 13. So if you want to flip over just a few more pages to chapter 13, we'll pick up and see this great encourager once again, beginning in the very first verse of chapter 13. Now, there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. Barnabas, here he is again, Simeon, who, who was called Niger, and Lucius, and Jerion, and Manion, who had been brought up with the Herod at, of Tetriarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart, uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then they, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So here we have Barnabas again. Now he's with Paul and others in Antioch, and they are ministering and they're serving, and he was willing to be used by the Lord in any way that he could. If we want to be encouragers, we need to be willing to be used by the Lord. He had sold his property and given the money to the church in order to encourage others and meet their needs. He had brought Paul, Saul, who became Paul, to the apostles because he believed that he was called by God, converted to, to be a believer, and he had a great message to share. And now he himself is being called by God. Set apart, the Holy Spirit said, Barnabas and Saul. I want to send them out to be messengers for the kingdom of God. He gave of his possessions. He gave of his life. He was willing to serve the Lord, and he was willing to serve people. He was willing to do whatever he needed to do in order to bring people and the Lord together with one another. And so he became what we would refer to today as ordained. He, he, was, he was prayed for. The hand, they laid hands on him. They prayed for him, and they sent him out as a missionary to take the message of the Lord to the lost world. He was willing to be used by God in any way that God desired to use him. Fourth time that we meet him, there are others, but these are the four we're going to look at today. Chapter 15. Final one we're going to take a look at today. One that is a little discouraging, yet is, is encouraging in a great way. Beginning in verse 36, God's Word reads as follows, chapter 15. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Now, they've been serving, it's been several years, they've been missionaries, they've established church, churches, they've been doing all kinds of things together, been through some good times, through some bad times and challenges. And he said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So here's what Paul says. Over these years, we've been on this missionary journey. And we've been traveling to all these different cities. We've been preaching the Word. We've been establishing churches, helping believers come together under the name of Christ. And he says, let's go back to each of those places and see how things are going. Let's see if they're continuing faithfully, uh, serving the Lord and being the body of Christ as, as they need to be. 
And Barnabas, verse 37, was desirous to taking John, also called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them at Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So here's his co-worker, co-minister, friend, Paul. He first accepted Paul when no one else would. He brought him to the apostles, to the leaders, and said, listen to his message. And, and then they were set apart together as missionaries. And they've been traveling together. And they've been serving together. And they've established churches together. They've done great things during the past several years. Along the way, we know the story. John Mark, who was actually Barnabas's cousin, had gone with them at some point at Pamphylia. For some reason, he turned back. We're not 100% sure there or different ideas about that, but he turned back from what they were doing. And so now Paul says, let's go and see these places, and let's go and, and see what we can find out about how they're doing since we've left. And Barnabas says, great, I want to take John Mark with us. And Paul says, nope. He abandoned us. He left. He gave up on us. He didn't even go to some of these places we're going to go. He doesn't need to go with us. The Scripture says that Barnabas kept pushing for John Mark to go with them and to the point that they disagreed so strongly that they decided that they would part. And Barnabas took John Mark and they went off to serve. Paul took Silas and they went off to serve. He was faithful and loyal no matter what. We can be a great source of encouragement by being faithful and loyal no matter what. Maybe others look and say, hey, no, they've done this or they've done that or, or they're, they're not what they should be. And so, so we don't want them to be involved. And we need to be faithful and loyal. We need to be an encouragement that people need to continue to serve, that, that no matter what their past, no matter what their mistakes or their shortcomings or failures, God can still use them. And Barnabas was such an encourager, even in the life of John Mark that had abandoned them and turned back, he said, God can still use him. He can still be a useful servant in the kingdom of God. And time and time and time again, we see Barnabas being a great encourager, willing to, to take a chance when no one else would, willing to sacrificially give to help to meet the needs of others, willing to be used by God in whatever capacity God chose to use him, and being faithful and loyal to say it doesn't matter what their past is, they can still be used by God. And I want to encourage you that we be a people who are great encouragers. Encouragers who are faithful. Encouragers who give sacrificially. Encouragers who, who are loyal to those that, that we know and we love. Encouragers that are, are willing to do whatever it is that God's called us to do. Even though it may not be popular. Even though it may not, not be the thing that others think should be done. If we are convinced according to the truth of His Word that it's the right thing to do, then we'd be willing to stand up and do that. Today, we're going to sing an invitation hymn as they come and prepare for that.
possibly here that you're here today and, and you're thinking, you know what? I want to be a greater encourager. I, I want to be more encouraging to other believers and to the message of, of our Lord reaching out to the lost world. And, and in order to do that, I need to make some changes and do some things differently in my life. And so if there's a decision on your heart today about your, your heart of encouragement, then this invitation is a time for you to make those decisions in your life, whether that be where you are in your, your seat today or whether it be publicly before the congregation. Whatever decisions on your heart, if you need to come, come as we stand and we sing.